Blog Talk Radio. that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property? Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASGA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. Good evening, everyone. Oh, what a week, what a week. I'm Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the TS Radio Network. And yes, we are live and broadcasting. Before we get rolling here, uh, I can, we've got a full board, and I can see other people are trying to get on. Um, our Facebook page is down. We got hacked, and we tried to fix it, and somehow it all got deleted. Imagine that. Um, somebody tried to shut down our radio show. We got, we came over that. Uh, my email has been compromised, so I will be shooting all of you a new email to use. Um, my uh, page, uh, the PPJ Gazette, I woke up here a few mornings ago very early, and it had been defaced overnight, and WordPress helped fix that. Uh, but somebody's trying to shut us down, and I'm not going to go quietly. So you shoot your best shot and do what you have to do, and I'll do what I have to do behind it. Anyway, I want to remind everyone these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit, an annual event in Washington, D.C. This year will be online again due to this fake virus thing. And, of course, I don't know that I ever want to go back out there again anyway, so <laughs> this is working out for right now. Um, but we, oh, good. We've got so much to cover tonight. And co-hosting with me, of course, is Kaz Scaife. And uh, say hello, Kaz. Hello. I'm so excited to be on tonight. I'm glad you are, too. We missed you. And uh, oh, our guest you. is going to... <laughs> Our guest is going to be Dr. John Reiser, and many of you are familiar with him. He runs the webpage, uh, No Fake News, a very popular site, always, always excellent articles, resourced information, and he's the author of several books. They're in the process now of making one of his books into a movie. Um, This man writes prolifically. He just is... 
He's somebody to go to for information. Uh, Dr. Reiser, welcome to the show. Thank you, Marty. Pleasure to be on the show again. Yeah, yeah we like having you on, too. <laughs> we like do, we do. And, uh, yeah, um, these, these shows always do very well with you, and I attribute most of that to the size of your own audience. Uh, your readers do tune in. So and that's always a plus. And, um, but like I said, we've got a lot to cover. And I think the first thing we want to jump on is the current state of affairs with this idiotic vaccine that isn't a vaccine. And as we talked about before the show, this is not actually a vaccine. They simply put it as down as a vaccine to slide in under the immunity that vaccine manufacturers are given from being held liable for anything. Our stuff might kill you, might drive you crazy, might cause brain damage, paralysis, seizures, uh, brain bleeds, the whole nine yards, but take it anyway. And besides, even if you go nuts and your head rolls off, we're not responsible. Um, totally crap. And this is one of the reasons... Um, is see if they go to mandatory vaccines, what people don't realize is once it's mandatory, it is no longer informed consent. It is no longer you volunteered so you have no right. This is the premise they operate on in the vaccine court is that you voluntarily submitted yourself for this so you can't hold these people uh, responsible for what happened to you or what happened to your child. You offered that child up of your own volition. You weren't forced to do it. So it's on that premise that they base this no liability on. If they force vaccines, that's lost. So how will they handle liability? Now that you're forced to take this with you. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, that's quite interesting when you're forced to take it. Well, you're not going to be able to fly on an airplane unless unless you have proof of it. And there's a database that's collecting. So I know there's like fake vaccine yep. cards going around. They can go into this government's yep. database. And, I mean, they already figured out, like, you're not going to be able to pull off your fake vaccine card. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is going to hurt the airlines more than anybody um, because they're already just running on a thread people aren't going anywhere because there's all these prohibitions on everything because of the virus. And Mm -hmm. um, so people are sticking close to home like they told them to do. Only that's not so much anymore. Uh, Like I say, here in my area, people have come out of that. There's rarely do you see anyone with a mask on and people are moving about freely. We, I mentioned this before we took my little great granddaughter, Sophia recently to Burger King, which has one of these big fancy outdoor playgrounds. She wanted to go to so bad. So we took her, there must've been 50 kids in there, no masks. They're running Mm. and jumping and playing and all their parents are sitting outside of the tables along with us. And only one lady had a mask on. And I thought, get a clue here. This is what kids are supposed to do. They're not supposed to be locked up in the house. But all of this has an ulterior motive. There's an ulterior reason that all of this is happening. The mask wearing, the isolation, the social distancing, um, it's all a reason. It's a large psychological operation. We are herd animals. When you separate us from the herd, it has a deleterious effect on us psychologically. Hence, you're seeing the spike in suicides in young people, even in adults, but young people 
are adversely affected yeah. by this. Mask wearing, of course, is a historical symbol that you're a slave, that you're not to be spoken to, you're not to speak, that you are not a free person. This is one of the reasons this was brought on. All of this, by the way, was tested out in Afghanistan on Afghani prisoners. Um, they did this to them. They isolated them. They couldn't speak to each other. They had to wear masks if they were let out of their cells. Um, even if they could see the other person across the walkway, they had to put a mask on. Um, and no human touch has a profoundly negative effect on a human being. There is a cellular reaction that's place when you have contact with another human being. And if that does not happen, think about it in terms of um, babies that are diagnosed with failure to thrive. Basically, what they're saying was they weren't held enough, stroked enough, talked to, and they wither up and they die. And this is what's happening to people today, uh, this this distancing from other human beings is is one of the most damaging things if this virus was real they'd let the damn thing run that's how you get herd immunity and yes you're going to lose some people but not near as many are dying from this so-called vaccine and on the vaccine this is a extension of what was going around here about five years ago had caught fire and then got put out was transhumanism and we had that professor stand up at that time and say, it is no longer enough just to be human. And I could remember at the time thinking, why the hell not? It's worked so good, you know, so far. And that there's going to come a time that human beings are have to become interoperable with machine, artificial intelligence. Well, bingo, here we are. And this is what's happening with this so-called vaccine. It is actually gene therapy. They are altering our DNA and that uh, rep replicating nucleic acid that they're shooting into you is spreading like a virus. And it will make you, <laughs> it will make you simpatico with artificial intelligence, your cell phone, your computer, how you like them beans. So step right up there, fool, and get your vaccine. Anyway, those are my thoughts for the evening. <laughs> uh, Dr. Reiser, what's your take on all of this? Well, Marty, I, 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 um, I'm right there with you. I, I think that what we're, what we're in the midst of is a sinister, you know, a sinister act. Um, it is certainly a psyop. I, I have believed it's a, been a psyop since day one. Um, this is not the first rodeo that they tried to bring out. You know, there have been test runs. And when you look at when you look at the fact that there's no isolation of a virus, <clears throat> SARS-CoV-2 has not been an isolated virus in totality from any human or animal host. It's been computer modeled. In other words, it's a, it's a, it's a host of other coronaviruses that have been simulated in a computer and then they published a gene genomic sequence. So for all intents and purposes, it has not passed through any rigors of scientific identification if it were a real virus, it would be something that could be um, taken from anybody that would be infected, and you should be able to isolate this thing and, and, and reproduce the results in any laboratory, and that has not been done. There are no viral isolates available um, by the CDC's own account and, and the World Health Organization or any of these other public health agencies that are allegedly m making the case that there's a real virus. 
So for all intents and purposes, from a scientific standpoint, there is no SARS-CoV-2 virus. There's no target. And if you don't have a target, you certainly can't shoot at something. So you can't create a test like a PCR test to diagnose something that does not exist. And you certainly can't make a vaccine that could procure antibodies in a system, even though that this is not a traditional vaccine. It's not really a vaccine, as you said and pointed out. It is gene therapy. So there's no attenuated virus in these COVID-19 vaccines because, number one, there is no SARS-CoV virus isolate to put in there. So what they've done is they've, in, they've injected people with a messenger RNA product that, for all intents and purposes, once again, is going to create a spike protein in the system, the immune system, and it's going to be dispersed throughout the body. And uh, my fear, and, and what I think a lot of other people believe is going to come to fruition, is that in the future, when another uh, trigger is introduced to the body, probably through another vaccine, the immune system is going to turn around and it's going to attack itself or attack the body at such an extent that it's going to cause what they call a cytokine storm, an autoimmune reaction that will probably cause great damage to human beings and probably take them out. Now, it's also my opinion, and again, this is my opinion, that there are probably a number of different recipes in these vaccines. I don't think that all of these vaccines are necessarily designed to take them out, but I'm I'm sure that there are a a fair amount of them that are. And so I think that they do want to cull the population. I think there's other, there's other recipes probably that are going to cause sterilization of the population. And there's probably, certainly they're not going to take out the entire world, but they're certainly going to try to transform the human genome into a product that they probably have thought long and hard about that's going to be compatible to link up to whatever they, you know, AI or whatever else they have decided they want to do. And I don't know what that is, but I can pretty much assure you it's not going to be something beneficial for humanity as we stand. So, yeah, I think right. you have hit the nail on the head. And I do believe that this is, you know, the, the, the real danger here is not the SARS-CoV-2 virus. The real danger is the, what they're telling people is the cure or the solution. Uh, it's yeah. the vaccine. The vaccine is the problem. Yeah. Well, I agree with that too. And, uh, you know, what gets me? Do you remember 2010? They were pushing. We had a flu epidemic, supposedly. We didn't shut down the country either. Go figure. Um, <laughs> but they were pushing that flu vaccine, and they targeted pregnant women and the elderly. The CDC reported that year that because of the flu shot, there was a 2,300 percent increase in miscarriage. And then you go to the elderly. They were dropping like flies from the flu vaccine. And I keep telling people, Dr. Reiser, that, you know, they play with words. It's word art. Um, efficacy and deficiency. They sound like the same thing, but they're two different things. Efficacy is when you take a control group most likely to respond very well to whatever you're pumping into them. And out of the, say, 100 people, Four of them suffered severe adverse reactions or dropped over dead. And they say, oh, it's got a 96% efficacy. And everybody thinks, oh, great, you know, that's it. That's really working. The word you want is efficiency. Efficiency means using it broadly across the population with no filters. Uh Uh-oh, what happened there? 95 to 96% either dropped over dead, suffered severe reactions, 
or had other complications because of the vaccine. So the efficiency is only like 4 to 5%. That's your, what you really want to look at. But see, they play with people and they use these words and people say, well, they said it's 95% effective. No, that's not what they said. They said in a control group of people that were very healthy, only four or five of them dropped over dead or got sick. But in the rest of us that aren't necessarily healthy, or maybe so-so, almost all of us dropped over dead or got sick. And then we had that year this huge spike in elderly deaths directly related to that vaccine. Um, And another thing here a while back when all this first started, I was on the Department of Defense website. And they said right on their page, their information page, that masks were of no use. It was ridiculous to think of wearing masks because they were of no use for whatever this was. Then they went in and talked about how this last fall they forced um, all their in-house employees to take the vaccine, the flu vaccine, and more than 50% of them fell ill. A couple of them died. The only common denominator was the flu vaccine. So they investigated and they find three, actually four strains of lab-engineered SARS in that vaccine, the fourth one being the one that causes this terrible pneumonia. And I published that. (laughs) I'm telling you, the trolls and the hacks come out of the woodwork. That isn't what they said. Yes, it was. You don't understand what they were saying. Yes, I do. Uh, you uh, you misunderstood what they were saying, and now you put false up. No, I didn't. Uh, what is it you're objecting to? Well, you said they said this, this, and this. They did. Here it is right here in print. But that's not what they meant. Well, then why did they write that? You know, you see what I'm saying? And you have these people who are paid, paid to come out and attack you if you say anything that goes against the mainstream story. Yeah, they've and been doing that then for you years, have people Marty. I mean they they've been that that whole that whole situation that you described has been an ongoing agenda. They have people on payroll that are designed to position people that stray from officialdom, they push them right back into officialdom because the there's a full I mean you can't imagine probably <laughs> how many people are assigned to do this and they do this on internet boards and they do this, um, you know, on a regular basis. But it's amazing when you're talking about the flu campaigns and everything, how they do this. We, we, we live through this every year where we, every year we see the rollout of the flu season. It's like a, it's like a holiday. It's like Christmas. It's like Thanksgiving. You know that in July or August, you'll start seeing the, the, the CVS and the, the drug stores, They'll start advertising that the flu shots are in. And people will line up every year, and they'll take the flu shot. And then about a month or two later, flu season is beginning. And people wonder, well, where does the flu go during the off season? You know, well, it's in a vial, and they're injecting it into people. They're injecting a a variety of viruses directly in. And then we have every year, we have a flu season. A lot of the flu, a lot of the flu information is is misdiagnosed as well because you know you have a lot of people that are probably suffering from bacterial infections and fungal infections, and right away they they test these people and they they use a PCR test for the flu as well, and voila, they have a uh, you know you have a flu epidemic, so they can fake that as well too. So 
I, I do believe that the vaccines are a way that they, you know, the, the proliferation of disease or diseases throughout the world is done through these vaccination programs. And I bet you that uh, you. before SARS-CoV-2 uh, came out in, in 2020, that uh, those, those flu vaccines were, 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 you know, were laden with, with a number of viruses that probably or, or, mm-hmm. or pathogens directly into the arm that could cause uh, problems. So, you know, that's, that's how it's done. Yes. Well, and see, and that's the thing. This is what I tell people. What do you think's in that vaccine? Well, they think it's antibiotics, and they think it's this. And I said, no. I said, it's the DNA of non-related species, the DNA of other human beings from aborted babies. I said, weakened viruses, mutated bacteria, mutated fungus. I said, uh, the equivalent of, of um, antifreeze. I said, there is so much crap in there, and you're having this injected into your body. Gee, I wonder why you don't feel good. And to tell them, I said, they are actually infecting you. Do you understand that? They are intentionally infecting you. And I said, what did you think was going to happen? Oh, no, Marty, no, they're not. But I had worked with a doctor uh, here a few years, probably five, six years ago, named Dr. Andy Maniotis. He was the former head of cellular biology and pathology of cancer at University of Illinois. He had taught at Harvard. He had taught at Iowa State. He and his lab crew on some downtime decided that they would replicate the, um, the, the research that supposedly supported radiation and chemotherapy. So they start going through, then they find where stuff had been manipulated and formulas were flawed and this and that. They redid everything. He said, I was stunned. He said, we printed all this off, our findings. He said, I put it in binders for each of the hospital and university administrators. He said, I took it to them on a Friday afternoon. He said, you need to look at this. We're not helping people. We're killing them. We've got to stop recommending this. On Monday, he comes to work. His lab is gone. His staff is fired. All his research and equipment is gone. He's out of a job. But he and I, uh, he works globally now, but he and I had talked extensively about vaccines at one point. And he said, don't ever take one. Whatever you do, don't take one. And he said, when they tell people, for instance, you have whole body cancer, He said, you couldn't survive half of your body having cancer. There's no way you'd survive to be talking about it having whole body cancer. And like you said, fungal infections. Um, I had a conversation with uh, Suzanne Somers, the actress here about five years ago. And she was talking about when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And come to find out, she never had breast cancer. And they were wanting to remove both her breasts. And, of course, that's okay because she's just a woman, you know, so what? We'll whop off her breasts. And, um, but she said what she turned out to have was a fungal infection. And she said, had I gone the way they were trying to push me, I'd have been dead. If I'd have taken the medications they gave me, I'd have been dead. She said, I never had cancer. I had a fungal infection. And then I remember there was a a report out from Johns Hopkins here three years ago about 2 million people in this country being diagnosed with cancer that never had it, most particularly women with breast cancer. And 
So, Dr. Reiser, to me, everything is so backwards. Radiation and chemotherapy both destroy the body. Neither thing ever leaves the body. It just keeps chewing its way through. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, many of the things that we are commonly taught by medicine, which is really the pharmaceutical companies, they are that in a uh-huh. way to mitigate to mitigate diseases are actually harming the body and making us more susceptible to diseases. Yes. For example, let's just yeah. look at the, the the pandemic or the plandemic as I like to call it. What are they telling you to do? They're telling you number one to self isolate. They're telling you to sequester yourself from other people. They're telling you to use hand sanitizer. They're telling you to uh, be socially distant or stay a certain amount of – so all of these things that they're telling you to do actually weaken your immune system and make you more susceptible mm-hmm. to opportunistic pathogens and even some of the bacteria, fungal things, viral microbes, wh- whatever it is that you – you know, these it's, – it's not a virus, a bacterium, or a, or a fungal microbe that is going to make you sick. It's your inability to adapt to those naturally occurring right. flora that, that's in our environment. It's, that's why when people say, well, this was, a, this was a, a virus that was created in a laboratory or it's a naturally occurring. No, it's not because it couldn't be because even if they geoengineered or, 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 or genetically modified a virus and they set it loose on the population, it's not going to infect enough people because you have too many people that have robust immune systems. It's not, it's not right. natural for the microbes to take over the, the body. So, so what we have here is a situation that is an artifice. The easiest way to pull this off is to fake it, to, to create something that's fake. But in doing so, all of the things that they're telling you to do to mitigate it are actually making you sicker. And I've always said, wow. and I've heard this you know, for a long time, one of, the, one of the places that you can get the most dangerous infections in the world are in sterile environments, like hospital settings. Yes. And so, so if you want to be really susceptible to, to germs and things, you go into a sterile environment. And the more sterile you make someone, the more susceptible they are to getting something because it weakens the immune system. When you play in dirt and you play in garbage, you actually strengthen the immune system. It's the opposite of what you would think. And I think that when, when people are, plus you have to take into consideration, we're, we're, we're walking around, we have a lot of people wearing masks, which are, are it's, changing the amount of oxygen that you're getting to your brain cells. It's changing the amount of carbon dioxide mm-hmm. that's going back into your system. None of these situations are a recipe for good health. They are a recipe for, for a disaster. And so when you, are, when you are subjecting your body to so many different stresses that have been designed deceitfully to look as mitigation techniques to make you safe from a non-existing pathogen, so you have the perfect recipe for people to get ill, and this is what's going on. And we're not even talking about the mental and emotional depression that comes from being right. sequestered and, and, and removed from society. We're social creatures. And when you're wearing a face mask, you can't even tell when a person's smiling or when a person's frowning. And when you lose the recognition or the psychological ability to see people's facial expressions, you're, you're taking your you're taking your system and you're really making people uh, go against the social nature that they are. 
And that's unfortunately what's going on. I feel really bad for children because children are growing up yes. in an environment where they're not getting proper interaction. They're not socializing. And it's going to really do a lot of damage to them on a psychological level. And we'll see this later on. This will pay terrible dividends to people in society as we go on. Do you know, Dr. Reiser, I was reading here recently about one of the most detrimental effects of the mask wearing was the fact that the way your brain, through your eyes, sees another human face and identifies it as another human being, which elicits certain emotions and feelings in the average person. Absolutely. By masking the face, the brain is not able to identify someone you see as human. They, now, I read, this, <laughs> I read this on Health and Human Services. What this does is, is it allows, in certain situations, they didn't say what situations, for the, the um, desensitizing to another human being, say, for instance, in war. So I guess this would make it more palatable. Um, you know, to blow somebody up if you if your psychology or your mind does not recognize that as another human being, it simply is an object. And but there's so far much more to this than than what's been presented to the public. There, there's a whole agenda going on here that we're not privy to. And people scream, "Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist!" No, I'm a conspiracy analyst, and I've got a mountain of it, a theory. A theorist implies that you're making an assumption and a decision without any supporting evidence. You're just assuming this is true. But an analyst, we've got mountains of evidence, mountains. That means I'm not a theorist. I'm an analyst. And, um, but, you, know, and you see this whole uh, system put into play to, to dog people that ain't buying the story. You know, you're yeah, not buying the story, again, but we'll yeah. go after you. Yeah, like, you're, who's you're behind right. it all? Like you just sit there and think, who's yeah. the mastermind? Who's doing this? It's it's. Um, I, I think that there's. You know, it's it's hard. To, the people that are really behind it, or you're not going to see them because they're smart enough to stay out of out of the light. They stay in the shadows. Even the people that we identify as the perpetrators of this, like the the Gates and the the Fauci's. They're the, I don't believe that they are, they are the front people that have been put into position to, to run the show. But they're not the masterminds behind it. They're, playing, they're, they're certainly a, a major part of it, but they are not the real uh, string pullers. Uh, they're, they're, handing down, they're, they're handed down directives, and they're, they're doing what they do. You yeah. see, this is, a, this is not a U.S. exclusive event. This is, this is, a, is a world event. It's a world yeah. Every yes. sovereign country on the planet has genuflected to a higher government, a world government that is, again, in the shadows. And they're, they're doing the same protocol. So all of these countries have signed on for one reason or another and are in on it. And it's, yeah. a, it's, it's a very well thought out PSYOP in that it serves many different mm-hmm. agendas. When we look at it, yes, there's, there's physical problems that will occur in human beings. There's a psychological and emotional problems. There are a number of well-thought-out um, th- things that are taking place here simultaneously. So this, is not, this has not been put together by, by stupid people. Uh, it's, 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 right. been, it's been in the planning stages, I think, for a long time, and now they, they're rolling with it. Well, I know um, um, a friend of mine told me that when it comes to vaccines, at minimum, at minimum, takes three to four years to develop one. 
but usually somewhere around eight years to get one to where it's supposedly viable. And somehow they came up with this mess in eight months. It's one of two things. Either you're lying about what you're shooting into people, or you were planning this long before you ever brought it live. And I think both of those things are directly linked to that. But um, one of the things that concerns me, uh, and Kaz and I have talked about this, is the the focus on the elderly, which yeah. if you recall, Dr. got on CNN here uh, late last year and said uh, nobody should want to live past 75. There was really no reason to. And I thought, well, good, you go first. And then they followed that up um, with, uh, you know, people who are uh, elderly should just give it up and you know you're using resources for the younger people that they need well i got news for you i worked 50 some years to help put all those resources in place so if you don't mind i'll access them if i need to um but this is what i'm saying this focus on the elderly we have got 20 countries now or 22 that have prohibited the use of these vaccines on anybody over 60 and yet our own country is focusing on making sure the elderly get their vaccine by force. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I see this, other countries are saying, you know, wait a minute, you know, this is, is, something's wrong here. And so in reading this week, which I always do a massive amount of reading, I came across a supposed ethics document wherein it talks about delegating health care based on social usefulness. I almost jumped out of my chair. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And basically what it gets down to, now this actually started under Obamacare, and and before everybody starts screaming, oh, the damn Democrat, this little section was put in by the Republican faction, and I keep telling you people, there's no difference between that simply for your entertainment that you think there's a right and a left and a Democrat and a Republican and this and that and some conservative liberal. That's all for your entertainment. When you get out to D.C., it's all one big party, and you was not invited. But anyway, (laughs) this little thing, this little thing in Obamacare said that as you approach the age of 50, you started losing access to the health care that would be provided to you. As you hit 60, it diminished even more. And by the time you reach 70, you're only able to get 20% of the health care that's available to everyone below 50. And I thought, well, that sucks, you know. And so this came right along with Obamacare. So move up to today. Now they're talking in another way. They're still selling the same program. But we've rebranded it. Now we're calling it social usefulness. And that means if we invest in your health care, what can you provide society to repay them for it? In other words, can we start taxing you again? Can we extort you? Uh, How much can we squeeze out of you? And if we can't, why, you've lost your social usefulness. See ya. This is also linked and tied into organ harvesting. Now, I did shows with uh, the Dialysis Advocates and Associates group there for about a year and a half. And one of the things in dialysis is always an organ shortage. 
And we find out now in this last year that they are harvesting organs from aborted babies. Uh, wow. This is why we have live birth abortions, so that they can take the heart while it's still ble- beating. Why do you think they pass that? Um, so, but so they're selling baby parts is what they're doing. And um, my, we're a fine Christian nation. But anyway, um, so you have all of these things going on. But they kept talking about the shortage of organs for harvesting. We find out that even if you mark on your license that you do not want to be an organ donor, you're considered to be an organ donor anyway, and under the Anatomical Gift Act. So you have to go to the DMV, ask for a special card that a form they have there, fill that out, and that's the only way they'll stop from taking your eyeballs and your heart, your liver, and whatever else they want. And please be reminded, everyone, Organ harvesting is always done on the live human being. If the organs are deprived of oxygen for even a couple of minutes, they're useless. And there is no anesthetic. This is just like an execution at a prison. They give you a paralytic so that you can't move or cry out or do anything, and then they eviscerate you. They start cutting you up while you're conscious and alive. Somebody said, oh, they're brain dead. How do you know? And they've proven that that's a load of baloney, too. And um, but So always keep that in mind. Organ harvesting is always done on the live individual. But we were doing these shows, and the night before we were doing this show about what a crooked run this uh, dialysis thing was, this scam was an organ transplant, Trump came out the night before and issued an executive order, he said, that would make um, transplantable organs available to everybody who needed it. I never could find out how exactly that was supposed to work. Um, Apparently, that never got posted in the Federal Register or anywhere else, but he signed supposedly this order. But I looked through these documents I'm reading on ethics, and it repeatedly goes back and refers to organ harvesting. And I thought, oh, there's something else. There's something else going on there. And then I was reading more, and it said about, you know, uh, if you're a chronic drinker, they can't use your um, organs. Well, I don't drink, so uh oh. And then if you were this or that, if you had certain illnesses, you couldn't. And the only thing I could figure out is the only way it'll keep them from cutting me up alive is I smoke like a chimney. And uh, <laughs> so hopefully, you know, I, I'll be spared that. Um, but what I'm saying is we have been commodified. They traffic us on every level, whether it is taking our children, throwing them into foster care, forced adoptions, and 80%, they said, of the kids being trafficked for sex come out of foster care in the United States. Mm. You know, what's going on here? And, well, I think, Marty, you know, I think it, what you're talking about is, is so, you know, most people – they couldn't even identify with what you're speaking about here because it's so foreign to what they they perceive reality to be because the way that we're we're brought up um it's like it's like an alien world what you're talking about but it's it's true there there are terrible things going on horrible things going on and the the fact that they're doing a a global genocidal plot to call the human population is right up there it's it certainly gets honorable mention I mean, they can't even huh? under, they can't begin to comprehend that concept, and 
we have people that have various degrees of, of being awakened. Some people are just now beginning to toy around with the idea that the virus might not be real. And this has been going on for almost, what, a year and a half? It's going on a long time. But and then you have people at the other end of the spectrum that know that not only is the virus a, not a real entity and that there's a genocidal plot going on, but there's things going on like organ harvesting and, and that they're rolling out different vaccine lots in different orders under the guise that, well, the elderly need it first when, in fact, that's a good way to, you know, to separate and sequester different vaccine ingredients or, or recipes, one being maybe a, a kill shot one being maybe a sterilization agent, one being maybe something that transforms, you know, society of the survivors. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the background and, you know, human trafficking, um, the taking of body parts. These things have been going on for a long time. The people have written about it, and, but, but people don't want to even deal with that because the cognitive dissonance is so strong in people that they just can't handle that. They, you know, if you don't, if you bring up stuff like that, they're going to just roll their eyes and go to sleep and, 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 and just look a different direction because it's just too painful to understand the world as it actually is. Because the world as it actually is is a lot different than what we think it is. And, in fact, it's, yeah. it's a lot, it, 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 it makes science fiction look like, like nothing. And that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. And that's the problem. And people, yeah. people don't understand because we, most people in the world get their information from four or five corporations that prepackage the same information every day, and they, they put it in a specific order, and it's delivered like a show, and people believe it. This is, this is what they think reality is. They think when they, 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 be, they become enamored with a, with a talk show uh, news anchor that's dressed up, whether it's a male or a female attractive person, and they get their, you know, they become, they become uh, enamored with that personality, and that's where they get their news. And whatever that person says, that's reality, but that's not reality. Yeah. Far from it. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I've always uh, said that. It, I, so I, call them, I call that a sheeple. And I've always said mm-hmm. I would so be a sheeple. If it hadn't been what, um, in fact, on the 21st was the five-year anniversary of Harvey's death, if I hadn't had that happen in my family and see, and see the corruption and the probate and what they're doing to murder the elderly and, and how the agencies don't care and our government doesn't care. I mean, to have actually experienced that firsthand changes your perception. I think that... Yeah. I had that not happened, there's so many friends that I wouldn't have had, and we wouldn't even be on this show. I would have just been a sheeple, just you know, blindly, I don't know, blindly living in society as they do these things. And sometimes I'm like, oh, to be blissfully ignorant, you know, because yeah. sometimes it's sad. Yeah. It's sad. Like you sit there and you know all this mm-hmm. is happening, and you, and then. You know, and nobody believes me. I mean, they think I'm crazy, whatever. And, but you know that it's all real because you've experienced it. And then you meet someone else and they've experienced it too. And there's enough of us and we've all experienced it. And yet we still seem to be, we're a growing minority, but no one wants, yeah, you're right. No one wants to like lift the rock up off this topic. Look underneath. Yeah. It's see. a tough rock to lift. <laughs> 
because what's underneath yeah. it is very is not pretty. And again, you yeah. know, we'll we'll spend we'll spend an hour hour and a half talking about these things. But don't forget, you know, it, it, alternative media and and truth tellers have a very limited budget and a very limited audience. Uh, you can see right now it's unprecedented the amount of censorship that's occurring in the world of people that are you know the the major truth tellers. Uh, they're they're very 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 difficult for them to get their information out there. So we are we are we're up against we're up against a corporate uh, mentality that has a that has a you know a budget that's unlimited and they never stop broadcasting. It's 24 hours a day, uh, seven days a week, uh, 365 days a year. The hypnotist, the television, the radio, that that hypnotist never sleeps. And it's always there pumping out constantly, continually. It's just the same information over and over again. So it doesn't take very long for people to become hypnotized. And it's hard to break the hypnosis. It really is. And even when you pull people away from it, they have this tendency to go back into it because being familiar with something is comfortable. Even if it's a lie, it's comfortable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I think I read something I can't. Oh, I was oh, gonna go say, ahead, I've heard that they call your television channels a channel for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Do. Well, uh, back in 1954, when TV was just first starting to take off, they realized that the rate at which the TV flickered had a, a, an effect on certain people's brain waves. And the CIA and Pentagon and Department of Defense all got together, and they adjusted this so that it flickered. If you remember before we got the flat screens, if you had a regular old box set of one kind or another, if you were standing outside the house and saw the TV inside, it looked like it was flickering really fast. But you came in the house and looked at the screen, it wasn't doing that. But that flicker rate was uh, perceptible by the subconscious, although the conscious mind couldn't see it. But we got what we called couch potatoes, people who actually become entranced, um, which has become a problem, I say, since we've gone to flat screen and that flicker isn't there. But they made sure that that rate of flicker was in there. It kept people docile. It, it kept them from moving. It kept them from doing – people would sit there for days, you know, like I say, the couch potatoes staring at the boob tube. Now we have mm-hmm. subliminal messaging. They are using subliminal messaging all over the net on every TV show you watch. Uh, And the biggest, I tell people, if you want to see a prime example of exactly what this is and how powerful it is, when this crap with this fake virus started, remember the run on toilet paper? Mm -hmm. Turns out, and this happened globally, our friends over in Australia even said people were ready to shoot each other. They could have had a gun. Uh, over toilet paper. This was happening globally. You're faced with a supposed pandemic, and food might become in short supply, and you're fighting over toilet paper. Seems to me if you don't have anything to eat, you're not going to have to worry about wiping anything. But that's just my thoughts. But anyway, but they did this globally, and then there was talk about how successful this was, the subliminal, and they used people's of internet, they used even like your programming that you watch on TV, cable, or wherever you're watching, however you're watching. Uh, YouTube is famous for it. 
but subliminal messaging. And what they had put in globally was, um, we're going to run out of toilet paper. You need to buy toilet paper. There's going to be a shortage of toilet paper. Uh, and people... Marty, they, what went, you're saying is, 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 is that's, so I'm looking right now at a patent, patent 6506148B is in boy two. This is a U.S. patent from January 14, 2003, U.S. Patent Office. And basically, it's the schematic design of, of a brain, brainwashing technology that was being implemented before smart televisions came out. And this, this, the same guy who's, who's listed as the patent holder, his name is Hendricus G. Luz, and he's got all these patents. And it turns out that this guy worked for the CIA. They were working for the CIA. And the technology shows how the television is used, the monitor is used, and how they can, inf- you know, they can uh, manipulate the, the perceptibility of people through these ta- patented technologies. And there are a lot of there are a lot of mind control weapons that they have technical, you know, patents on. So mm-hmm. what we're talking about, you know, way back when they were when television was first coming out. Can you imagine how advanced the technology is today to mind control people? Oh, wow. And people say, well, this, I, you know, that's conspiracy theory. It's not conspiracy theory, as you said. It's just conspiracy. And there's no theory about yes. it. The patents exist. They exist. And um, I've written about it on my website, and I've put, put, you know, I put these – I have a whole page where you can go look at these patents, and they're there, and you can look them up. They exist. And so, yes. so the fact, well, yeah, I mean, they've been doing this for a long time. Dr. Reiser, you, you remember Ebola. Um, yeah. I, people said to me, you know, over this fake thing, well, you know, um, it was a quick response that stopped Ebola. It could have come here and decimated <laughs> us. I said, they tried to get it here. And I said, you, you realize that was a lab-created virus. No, it was an old virus that was in the ground. And when they dug up trees and yeah. stuff, um, the, the vi- I said, are you insane? And you know, I said, Ebola. Ebola, e- Ebola is, is tested. Guess how they test for Ebola. What do you think they use for an Ebola? They use a PCR test. I don't know. PCR oh, test. Well, you, they, it's, it's yeah. Great well, things. They can fake these things. Well, the thing is, I said this was lab created, and it was taken over there because the diamond mines. The I said, you know, I said a lot of money in diamonds, a lot of greedy and powerful people connected to diamonds. The diamond workers, teen hours a day, they many Mm -hmm. of them drop dead in their tracks from exhaustion. Little very little pay, half starved. They went on strike. I said they tried to shoot them and terrorize them, burn their houses, and they were trying to make them go back to work. They still wouldn't do it. So they started bringing in workers, poor people from other countries to work the diamond mines, who quickly figured out this wasn't for me. So in order to try and get them back in line, supposedly this Ebola virus just springs up over there. And did we send the Red Cross? No, we did not. We sent the U.S. military. I thought, now, isn't that odd? And they start giving shots, vaccines against Ebola. The -hmm. reason they stopped was not because the vaccines worked, but because people figured out the only people getting this hemorrhagic fever were the people who got the so-called vaccine. That's right. And they fled. 
And oh, wow. so I got to digging around. Ebola was lab created. It was created at Fort Detrick. It was patented by George Bush Sr. and the FDA. It is a lab-created virus. It is not some old virus that came up out of the ground and all that happy hoo-ha. Um, it's like AIDS, you know, it came from the green monkey. No, it did not. Um, and Fauci was instrumental in that, uh, too. And over in Africa, of course, when a baby's born, it is assumed to have AIDS. So they started on medication right away. That ought to wreck their life. And then here last year with a unneeded tetanus vaccine, they sterilized more than half a million Kenyan children before somebody caught on to what they were doing. And two years before that, they got two million kids <clears throat> sterilized. This is a depopulation. You come around full scale to this COVID thing. Who's dying? Same, uh, Italy. same scam. Hit, same hit, scam. Yes. Hit hardest. Supposedly with so many elderly dying, they finally just here in the last couple of weeks came out and said the average age of people who died from what they thought was a virus was 70 plus. And they all had comorbidities. They had ongoing health issues. And then they talked about the fact that when they got to men, the protocol was to stop treatment for anything else. Uh, like if you have heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, you stop all that treatment and you only treat for COVID. And they died. Go figure. I wonder how that happened. And But they, they've shut it down over there. Like I say, we've got more than 20 countries now that have prohibited use of this vaccine on the elderly and on young children. They're talking about now they're testing this crap on babies. Yeah. You know, I don't I know that. about you, wow. but this is, this, the the lunatics are running the asylum. This yeah. is absolutely no, insane. Go ahead. There is no, there's no, there's no benefit. There's no health benefit by taking these products, and anybody that thinks that there there's a benefit for it, they're just completely clueless as to what's going on. They have used the right. same template for the same types of scams as you have been saying with Ebola, with SARS, MERS, with with, with Zika. What they do, and and I'll tell you, I go one step further. I know a lot of people think that some of these viruses are created in labs. I'll go one step further. I don't think they are. I think they're all fake. I think they're doing the same PCR test garbage all over, and I think they're faking these things in an effort to bring in toxic vaccines or bioweapons, and yes. I think they inject the people and get them ill by directly injecting something into them. Now, you know, here's right. the problem with, with viruses and trying, to connect and trying to make these things in a laboratory. They've tried to do that. I'm sure they have, and I'm sure that they've spent and, – and, you know, the scientists that are involved in this, you want to fool people. The easiest people to fool in the world are the scientists because the more credentials you have after your name, the more you spend time yeah. in indoctrination centers, you, you know, universities. So yes. you, try to, you try to mutate these viruses. Viruses, they spin and mutate back out of the, the form that they put them in very fast. So it's pretty hard to keep something that you genetically modify in a stable form. And so, again, then you're dealing with the problem even if you create the virus or you genetically modify it, are the people that you're unleashing it on, are they going to actually get sick? And I don't think they will because most people, viruses and, and these, these pathogens, so-called pathogens, don't have that kind of an effect on people if you have a robust immune system. So the way that you ensure that something works like clockwork 
without a problem is you write it up and you make it fake and you use a lab test to support the fake case numbers, which gives you the, the lexicon epidemic, pandemic, you know, and, and then once you have that, okay, so then you can roll out these vaccines. Now, I want to just jump back. When, when we started the show, we were talking about can they make these vaccines mandatory? And I'm kind of I'm jumping all over the place, but I want to, before I forget about this, they cannot make the COVID vaccines mandatory as they are right now because they are operating under an emergency use authorization. Yes. And an emergency use authorization is an experimental product. Experimental products cannot be made mandatory. And it's even, it's even right. debatable if, if products that are FDA approved can be made mandated, you know, if you can mandate them. There's, they, when, when, when we talk about EUA products, there's no, there's no gray area. The law specifically says they cannot be mandated. Your employer cannot mandate that you take them. A school or a university chancellor or president can't mandate that the students or the people take them. They'll try to do it. But if you fight them in a court of law, you sue them, they cannot make you take those products because they are under an EUA. As far as the other right. vaccines, most vaccines, when people, when people come out and say that these vaccines can be made mandated by the Constitution, and we go and we look back at the decision back in 1905 or 1910, I think it was Jacobson versus Massachusetts, where it was a smallpox uh, outbreak that they, they, Jacobson tried to sue Massachusetts and said, I'm not taking this product. And, of course, the, the Supreme Court at the time sided for the state of Massachusetts. So people always say, well, you know, because of that decision, vaccines in a pandemic situation can be, you know, they can be mandated or, or the government can come in and mandate it for the better good of the community. But what the justices said back in that decision way back in the early part of the 1900s was that the only reason that they approved that decision that way was because at the time they thought that the vaccines were less dangerous than the disease. But we have learned a right. lot of information about vaccines since 1910. And if anybody in today's day and age were to test Jacobson versus Massachusetts with the way that we have the, the information on vaccines, that would never stand the test of time today. That would be thrown out. And I don't think that the powers that be really want to set that into motion and bring that to the Supreme Court because they'd lose. They would lose. That, that would never hold up in today's day and age. And people will argue, and I've talked with attorneys about it, and, and, and I, the, the attorneys that I've talked to agree that that, would, that has to be tested. And someone's going to have to do it uh, and, and run it as high as they go. And, and I, think that the, I think the state would withdraw it before it got to the Supreme Court. Now, don't you think the judges would just be corrupt and block it and, I mean, let it go, you know, no, we're not going to overturn this or whatever? I mean, because they have no – I yeah, have not into, a lot of respect yeah, you run for into that. You run into that. But, it's, again, it's, it's, you, you have a situation where sometimes you have to apply the law you – know, you have to apply the law as the law is. So there is corruption, I'm sure. But we have to understand, though, that the way that the, I got way off on a tangent, but <laughs> which I sometimes do. I apologize. That's for okay. This. But but I want to concentrate more on the EUA situation because there's a lot of people right now worried about the vaccine passports. 
Are they going to make these vaccine passports mandatory uh, for the COVID vaccines? Well, they're not going to make vaccine passports mandatory for COVID vaccines because the COVID vaccines can't be made. They're not able to be mandated because they're under an EUA. So in the future, if they become approved, which I don't know how long that's going to take, but I think it's going to take a few years at the minimum, uh, you know, then we're talking about a different ballgame. But right now, as they stand, I think that this talk about these vaccines being mandated is just another PSYOP within the greater, you know, within the PSYOP. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to do whatever they can do to convince people to take these vaccines because most people, most people will cave. They'll just say if someone says, well, you have to take this, this is the law. It's like the mask mandate, you know, you have to do this. They're going to do it because they don't want to yeah. create a scene. And I think that uh, right. you, have to, you have to be strong enough to push and say, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, so. I, I know you're right, too, about that uh, emergency use thing. And it's in U.S. code that if That's it's right. under emergency use, no one can be forced to take it. Uh, another conversation recently said they did extensive testing. I, I said, no, they didn't. That's why it's under emergency use. You are the test, fool. You, right. they're testing it on you, and you volunteered. You volunteered to be tested on. And I said, uh, you, you have no, no legal avenues to you if something untoward should happen because of it. They don't know what this thing is going to do. They're sitting and watching, gathering information. But I said, what they do know is it has a terrible adverse effect on the elderly and people who have chronic illness. Um, I've, I've talked about this before, Dr. Fraser, and I don't mean to be redundant, but um, I've, because of my bronchitis and asthma and all that, I've had to go to the doctor, which I try to avoid at all costs. And I've been to urgent care once and then to my regular doctor once. Both times, some little southern belle comes rolling in there, and she says, okay, hon, we're going to give you your COVID test now. No, you're not, hon. You have to take it. No, I don't. Uh, yes, you do. It's required. No, it isn't. And, well, it's our policy. I don't care what your policy is. I only care about my own. Well, don't you want to get that? No, I don't. You, what, what is that in your hand? Well, it's, it's a swab that we use to go up in the nose. And I said, I've been, because of my chronic illnesses, swab probably two to 300 times in my life. No one has ever had to take what looks like a miniature weapon and ram it up my nose to the upper sinus, I said to that little thin membrane that separates it from the brain to get any kind of a useful swab. And if a virus is up there, it is also in the lower sinus. It's in the nose. It's in the throat. It's in the the mouth collecting on the cheeks. What is it you think you're going to do? And she says, well, this is what we're using. And I said, not on me. And I said, I said I've said, i got this scar on my bridge of my nose. And I said, you see that scar? She said, yes, what happened there? I said, parting shot from a soon-to-be ex-husband. And you try to ram anything up my nose with the damage there has been to it. Both of us are probably going to go out of here on a gurney. And but I said, I'm not taking ice, and the PCR test you're using is not meant to detect viruses. In fact, it can't. And she looked at me. She said, what? What did you say? I said, you heard me. It cannot detect viruses. That's why they're cycling it 
up to 35, 40, 45 times to try to catch any debris that's floating in your system from previous colds or the flu or, like me, bronchitis. And then you take those little bits and pieces. Oh, you got COVID. I said, they have never isolated that virus. And I said, they don't know what I have other than the fact that I haven't had your stupid vaccine. And I, I, you know what I think would be of interest is if they took these people who have been vaccinated and checked their blood to see what's floating in it now. I think that is of more interest than anything. What has changed in their blood work as a result of this vaccine? Um, And you can bet that'll be like, you know, autism. We don't compare an unvaccinated group to a vaccinated group because the differences are stark. And... But see, that's a, it's the after effect. What happened to you because you allowed yourself to be infected with whatever this is? And um, I, I don't know. And I, you don't go back to the mutant strain thing. I fell out laughing when I heard that in Minnesota, where I previously lived, a mutant strain out of Africa had been identified in Minnesota. And I thought... This is this has reached a level of absurdity. How would a well, well, Marty, we have that big Somali um, uh, population up there by Saint Cloud. Yeah, you do. And what's your point? Well, that's probably how it got in. I said, well, since nobody's been able to travel, how did how did that happen? Well, Marty, um, and you know Marty, when this first started. Go ahead. I was just going to say, the, the, you know, one scam is followed by another scam. If, if we, when when they're successful with one thing, they're going to be they're going to continue. It's a parade of we're going to have. Yes. Way back last year, I wrote that COVID nineteen is the front of the parade. They're going to bring in all kinds of mutations and variants from the original parent virus that has never been isolated, which is impossible to do, and. They're going to use the variants, and they're going to say this fall, for instance, they're going to say, you know, there's variants, and they're more deadlier than the next one, and you need a booster shot. And they're going mm-hmm. to, you're going to see people drop because they're going to have these cytokine storms are going to be triggered, in my opinion. They're not going to obviously put a product out there that when you take the shot that you're going to fall over and die, although some people are, but they're not dying because of the cytokine storms. They're dying mm-hmm. from anaphylaxis. They're dying from other complications that they probably didn't realize they don't want people to probably drop dead right after, you know, and and then you have the other people that think that because they survived the shot, they got a t-shirt. I survived the COVID shot. You know, (laughs) it's not like that. You, you know, when we look at vaccine damage through the years, we have to look in terms of months and years later. I don't think it's going to take a long time to see the effects of some of these things, but I, I, because these aren't your traditional vaccines. They're not vaccines. They're gene therapy uh, products. But you're going to look at something that's going to happen down the line, and I think they're going to use the variants as an excuse. They're going to say, well, you know, not enough people got vaccinated, so this thing got away yeah. from us, and now people are dropping dead. We're going to need more vaccines. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't take your vaccine, my vaccine won't work. Well, if you don't wear your mask, my mask won't work. It's, it's craziness. It's, it's just they changed the definition of herd immunity so that herd immunity now yes. is if you, you have to get enough vaccines in the population. 
This is this yeah. is outright scientific fraud. And when people it are, is. it is no doubt about it. And you have people like this Dr. Fauci that are sitting up there on their soapbox and they're getting airplay. And people are, you know, the, the bigger the criminal, the, the more awards they want to give this person. And, and they believe everything that this guy says. If he says put on 11 masks and stand and crawl on the ground because the coronavirus only, only hovers at about four feet, you would see people, <laughs> a lot of people, be crawling <laughs> on the ground. And, and it sounds yeah. funny, but it's, it's true because this whole well, – I, I just came back from um, Reno, Nevada uh, on a trip on an airplane, and, and in, the, in the airport, you know, they've got all these signs it, right at the gate, maintain social distancing, skip this seat, skip this seat. And then when you're going on the plane, stay six feet apart from the person in front of you. And then when you get in the plane, it's like you're in a sardine can. So all of the all right. the social distancing, all these regulations that, that are ridiculous, uh, when it comes to the airlines, they'll keep you in an airplane for three to five hours, and then you get out of the plane. And as you're exiting the plane, they say, now, one row at a time so we can maintain social distancing. Meanwhile, we were rubbing elbows, you know, uh, at 37,000 uh-huh. feet in the air. It's crazy. It's just crazy. So the, 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 more, the more ridiculous the story is, the more people seem to believe it. And people are just, I, I don't know what's wrong with people other than the fact that they are hypnotized. And, and they just, you yeah. can't. And so I'm at the point now where, and I'll let you speak in time, but I'm at the point now where you just try to educate those that you can educate. And for those, you're not going to save everybody from themselves. And I think that we have to concentrate on trying to, to speak with and, and educate as many people that are capable of having some critical thinking skills. And if we can, if we can do that, we might just have enough people uh, to, to, you know, to have some sort of chance at, at a normal life for some of us uh, in the future. Yeah. But it looks bleak. You know, I just, uh, <laughs> when I look at this and the, the tens of thousands of elderly people and chronically ill people, but mostly elderly around the globe who have succumbed to this um, and basically left to die. I mean, look at all the effort that went into uh, censoring uh, natural remedies. Uh, Several doctors have said this is a B12 deficiency and a D3 deficiency. And that, you know, after years of telling people to stay out of the sun and don't do this and that, and then telling them to stay in the house and don't go out unless you absolutely have to, um, compounded this. But we have been carefully set up for this scenario, and I I truly believe that. Uh, We have been carefully set up for this, and I avoid medications at all costs unless it's just a desperate need. And... um, but I don't take anything. I don't have high blood pressure, diabetes, any of that stuff. So I don't take any medications for that. But Dr. Reiser, many of the elderly people are on 6, 10, 12 medications a day. And they're sitting there talking about how, you know, God, I took all my medicine. I don't know why I feel so poorly. Look what you just put in your body. It's incredible. Yeah. I had a patient today, Marty, patient today, a new patient came into my office. I'm practicing during the day. The woman handed me a pre-printed paper that was two pages long 
of all of the medications that she's on. She didn't even have to write it out. She she just travels with this. And I, I my jaw dropped oh, wow. because I could not believe how many medications this woman is on. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah. I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off, but, yeah, just really. Crazy. No, that's, that's – but but that's exactly right. And then you you take somebody that supposedly, especially an elderly person, remove all of this, suddenly cut all of these medications off and start this bogus treatment that they've got, whatever it is, for this virus that doesn't exist. Gee, I wonder why they died. Yeah. Let absolutely. me think. What could be the reason? But this is uh, – we have been determined, like I say, we've been commodified. And they buy and sell and trade us. They make money off of us. Um, you know, on this show, we, we harp continually about these uh, guardianships and the theft of estates and how the elderly are taken and they're abducted and isolation is prohibited in every state. Last resort, don't ever do this unless you have – it's the first thing that's done. And you're seeing through the COVID deal exactly what happens to the elderly under guardianship. They're isolated, yeah. and just like with the baby who doesn't get held in love, they start withering. No contact. The family's gone. Friends are gone. Um, you've got trauma-based bonding with their captor. Uh, they're slammed into one of these nursing homes many times. Where they take their glasses, hearing aids, dentures. They take everything away from them. Most of the time, they don't even have a TV, and they are left to sit there. And, of course, they just start withering and dying. And I've had people say to me, uh, well, my my friend's mother, it was terrible. She she had COVID and she died at the nursing home or she died at the hospital. And I said, oh, were they able to see her? Well, no. Then how do you know what she died of? Yeah. How do you know? They told you that, oh, it was terrible. Um, really? Uh, and see, this is all this is all a very um, convenient cover for this culling that's taking place. And this, these stories about so-and-so had COVID and they died. I saw it firsthand. Oh, you were allowed in to see. Well, no, you don't know what they died of. You absolutely, they could have euthanized them. You don't know. And we do a lot of euthanizing in this country. Hospice, of course, has become the Grim Reaper, but apparently they weren't working fast enough. We needed something to take out. This, again, gets back to money. Uh, you it, not only resources, but we're here to collect on our Social Security that we invested in all of our lives that the federal government has taken almost $4 trillion out of. They have no way to pay it back. They never intended to. They're going to get rid of the claimants. And this is going yeah. to relieve – yeah, this is going to relieve what they call an intragovernmental debt, meaning we took earmarked money for one program and we blew it on other stuff. Too bad for you. Mm-hmm. And so this is one way they're going to fix this. The other thing is um, they're going to try and cut Social Security uh, because they owe it so much money now they can't repay it. The only way they could ever repay it is coming back to the same people they stole it from, and that's not going to work. But uh, And then we've let immigrants on there, illegal immigrants. I keep telling people the largest Social Security office in the world is sitting dead in the middle of Mexico City. And they allow them to tap our Social Security. And do you know something? That, like you or I have to work 12 quarters to minimally qualify for Social Security. An illegal immigrant who came here and maybe worked under a stolen identity, an assumed made-up name, um, 
they only have to work three quarters. And if they can prove that they worked here, they get Social Security. I'd, I have a problem with that. And um, But there, there's so much underhanded stuff going on here. But the thing is, it, when I hear our own government refer to us as human capital, I'm not capital. I'm a human being. Uh, our human capital resources, you need to shut up. Um, but they're telling us through their language exactly how they view us. When in the guardianship, Kaz and I have observed many times, they don't even refer because yeah. once you have been stripped of your identity, uh, you can't even say you're you anymore. Um, you, oh God, this just makes me sick. Um, mm. But once that has all happened to you, they refer to you as a unit, as merchandise, mm. sometimes as things. You lose your humanity and... These are people who have never seen you, don't know you. They they just know you had something they wanted. And so you see this happen all the time. So to see the elderly targeted again, and they are being targeted for eradication. And then everybody says, oh, isn't that sad? Well, they were old anyway. Well, I don't know what your definition of old is, but I hadn't got there yet. And <laughs> it just, you know... I, I, what I'm saying, I I just don't have that kind of mindset. Um, it, but to think I came all this way, went through everything I did, raised my two sons, raised two of my grandchildren, uh, and thought I'd, at this point in my life I'd be sitting around painting my pictures and gardening and just enjoying myself, and then here I sit. Because somebody's got to sound the alarm. That's what you do, Dr. Reiser. That's what Kaz does. That's what I do. We sound the alarm. Things are not what you think they are. But what I see is this terrible sense of apathy and laziness. Mm -hmm. And this, what are you going to do? Well, what are you going to do? Well, if you sit there on your ass, you're apparently not going to do anything. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, someone should do something. Marty, someone should do something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, someone should do something. Not me, mm-hmm. but someone. <laughs> it's yeah. frustrating. Yeah. It, is, it is frustrating when yeah. you when you you know you. I see it. I feel it. I, you know, I, I've been trying to. I've been trying to write about things of this nature for for many years, and I know you have too. And 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 you know, we're citizen journalists. We're trying to wake up. Uh, a society, for the most part, in, in many cases, that does not want to be awakened. And uh, it's Very frustrating. Nice. You know, you pound your head up against the wall. And, and being a chiropractor for, for many, many years, 34 years, 37 if I count the time I was in school, 37 years of teaching people a different concept of what health is. And every day, I'll spend maybe 30, 40 minutes, and then with another patient, 30, 40 minutes, and, and explain it to them, and they'll, they'll, you'll see their eyes light up, they understand. And then the next person that walks in the door, you've got to start over from scratch. It's like trying to yeah. push a boulder up a hill, and when you get to the top, it rolls right back over, and you've got to start over again. But yeah. you have to do it. Yeah, you have I can to imagine. do it, because yeah. this, is what, this is what I have chosen to do. This is the skill set that I have in this lifetime to do. That's what I'm good at. I'm good at communicating effectively things that most people don't want to hear. So isn't that yeah. but, but But we do it, and you do it, and a lot of people do it. So we do make a difference, I think. I just think that 
it's frustrating because you're never going to, in my opinion, we're never going to be able to, to get the vast majority of people on board. But, but that's not what we're, we're no. trying to. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get the people that are willing to listen. And I think I wrote an article yes. last week. We have to, in order to have some semblance of normalcy in our life, we have to be okay with not trying to get everybody on board. We have to concentrate on what we can, and we have to ignore, to some degree, we have to ignore the people that are hopeless. If you, you, you just have right. to, you just, it's not turning a blind eye to a problem and ignoring the problem, because we're well aware of what the problem is. We know what the, what the, what the blueprint is. But you can't listen to every – you've got to turn – you've got to break away from, from the mainstream media. People have to break away from it. If they're still listening to those productions, you've got to break away from it. If you're, if you're, if you're worried yeah. about people giving you evil eyes because you're wearing a mask in a store, you can't, you can't, deal, you can't worry about that because the people that are judging you are brain dead. <laughs> I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, yeah. they're just – they're not, you know, who's judging you? So if you know a yeah. truth and you know what it is, you educate your loved ones, your family members, and if you have a if you have a, a website or you, you have a platform that, that people are, are coming to a special place because they are like on the same frequency, you spend your time educating those people. Not because you're doing it for the money or for whatever, you're doing it because it's the right thing to do. I don't do this for the money and I, I don't judge people who do make money off it because everyone has to have money to live. But you need to do yeah. this because it, it resonates in your heart and in your mind that this is what we do. This is why I write books. Yeah. This is why I write stories. This is why I write articles. And it's why you do what you do and other people do what they do that are in the same business. We do it not because we're trying to make a, uh, we're, we're trying to make a difference in the world so that because if more people are educated about all of this, we all benefit collectively. It's a better world for yes. all of us and more people know the truth. Yeah. That's that's what we need to do. Yeah. Well, that's just it too. And it, when you're talking to Cause Doctor Reiser, you have to bear in mind this is a woman that has not been to a doctor in what twenty three, twenty four years. Um, <laughs> no, it's more than that. Wait, my son is twenty six. I went when he was one year old, so twenty five years. Good for you. Wow. Thanks. Good, yeah, yeah. Good for you. And I'm, on, I'm on no pharmaceutical, no pharmaceutical drugs. Good for you. You right. and me both. <laughs> yeah. 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 Me yeah. Both. See, and like I say, I I have to take for the asthma and bronchitis. I was born with both, and uh, so it's been a chronic problem all my life. And that's not a bad and, thing for uh, you, I have, Marty. That's, that's just you do what you you do what you got to do. But you, I'm not saying that there's never a time or a place for medicine because that's not what I'm right. saying. There obviously can be situations where medicine as a profession can help people. But you better be damn sure yes. you know what you're doing when you get involved with this profession because yes. it's been hijacked. And you, there's a lot well, of idiot is. medicine that's being practiced. But if you can stay away from doctors, you know, unless you really have to, you know, you, you're going to be, in my opinion you're going to be a lot better off. You're going to be a lot healthier because drugs, prescription and non-prescription drugs, do not make you healthier. They may change the way you feel. They may change symptoms. They may change other things in you physiologically, but they are suppressive medications that block the expressive physiology of health and well-being. And every time we take a drug, we are suppressing the expression 
of life and health. And people don't understand that. But the innate logic of human yeah. physiology is far smarter than any educated mind. And when people learn that well, and they understand that, they'll, they'll, they'll be better off. When, when I, I go to the doctor and because – oh, go ahead, Kazi. Oh, I was saying, um, so we, like, we have a, um, a supper club, so we all had to do, like, life insurance policy. So you had to do, like, the the pee and the blood test or whatever for this life insurance policy. And and my score, I was healthier than a 26-year-old. That also did it. So I was pretty excited about that. And I also have to tell you one thing that really stuck out to me, and this was years ago. I was reading an article. can't remember what magazine, maybe, like, Time Life or something like that. And it was interviewing all these octogenarians. And I read, I read all their stories just because I thought it was really fascinating. And this was decades ago. And there was one thing that stuck out to me that they all had in common. What do you think it is? No vaccines. <laughs> no, none of them went to the doctor. All of them. Yes. There was one who smoked a cigar every night and he's a hundred. There's another one. She's drinking a beer every night. You know, there's, they're doing, you know, not living the perfect life. There's one that, you know, looked a little heavy, but there was one thing that they all had in common. They, none of them went to the doctor and that really spoke to me way back when I'm like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. Well, back when I was a pupil. (laughs) When I go to the doctor because I don't have any of the ordinary ailments that they tag people for at my age, it's they want to they want to put me on a preventative so I don't get high blood, or they want to put me on a preventative so I don't get diabetes. And no, we're not putting me on anything. Well, you don't want this stuff, do you? Well, no, I don't want it, but that's why I watch what I eat, you know, and I try to take care of my. But you smoke? Yes, I do. And I still don't have those diseases. Go figure. And but I'm not a big doctor person either. I, I'm I'm more of a person who waits till I'm in an emergency situation, and then I will, you know. But to just run to the doctor, no. Um, and I see more and more people like that. People avoiding the doctor, avoiding hospitals. Um, and I've noticed yeah. through this whole thing, the people who die. Or the people that went to the hospital or in the nursing home. No, thank you. Go ahead. No, why, I have a I have a question. Why is it that now, like with this Obamacare? Because I'm always told this. Oh, you're going to get one complimentary checkup every year. I'm like, why do I want to? Why do I want a complimentary checkup every year? And why are they giving away a free complimentary checkup every year? Why is that? Because <laughs> I would think that they don't want you to have any checkups because the more you go to the doctor yeah. the more that's going to cost money there's got to be an ulterior motive and it's never because yeah. they care about my health well because the no it's because, because of, at the highest so, levels the pharmaceutical companies are owned by yes. the insurance companies and banks and the, you know petrochemical companies are at the top of the you know the oil companies the petrochemical companies pharmaceutical companies then those are own, owning properties of hospital corporations. So it all gets funneled back into the same, same yes. uh, system. So, you know, you go into the doctor, they do lab work on you. Oh, you're deficient in this or that. You need to take this medication for the rest of your life. So you go to a couple of wellness checkups about uh, over four or five years, and you've got a 
about 10 medicines that you're on. And so when you go to the doctor, you can hand the doctor the list of medicines you're on. And then never, it's like a tax. Yeah. Once, it's, once it's prescribed, you're never coming off of it. So that's how, that's, right. that's how it goes. Yeah. You know, and I yeah. have another question, yeah, like, while we're talking about what is like, because, you know, I love that we have a doctor online. Okay, so, you know, Marty and I, I'm sure they think that we should be having mammograms. I'm not mm-hmm. doing that. It, isn't that no. like radiation in there? I just, that doesn't yes. seem like that would be a good thing. Yeah, I'd, I'd stay away from it. This is, yeah, that's what I told you. I the two male doctors over mammograms. And then we got to go here because we're running short on time. But, uh, and the one doctor got really mad at me. The man, he got really mad and he, you need to have a mammogram. What's wrong with you? And I said, I'll tell you what, you go in there and put the family jewels in between those two plates and we'll crush them. And when you're pissing out what looks like a beaver's tail for the next week, if you still think this is a good idea, I said, I'll go put my breasts in there. And he said, no. you need to find a doctor other than me. I said, I was thinking the exact same thing. See ya. Yeah. But we're we're down no. to the end here. Uh, oh, go ahead, Kazi, quick. I was just saying colonoscopy. Everyone's doing these colonoscopies. This does not sound good either. No. <laughs> Get sick. On any level. <laughs> Dr. Reiser, thank you for being our guest. This time has just flown. I love having you on. And, um, of course, we're going to do this again. And, oh, gosh, everybody, I want to remind you, again, these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit, an annual event in Washington, D.C., this year taking place July 29th through 31st, and it will be online video. Um, We'll give you a heads up when that's all ready to go. Hopefully this next week be a little easier and I can get things put back together. Um, Like I say, our Facebook page is totally wiped out. So we'll see if we can't set something else up and we'll start over again. And um, for everybody, when you're online there and looking for news, go to No Fake News, uh, Dr. Reiser's website. It's a place to be, I'll tell you. Lots of good stuff over there. And Dr. Reiser, again, thank you for being our guest. Thank you uh, very much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, love having you on. And everybody who tuned in, thank you so much. We had a huge crowd tonight, it appears, and I'm glad and thankful for that. We'll see you all probably Sunday night with Tanya Hathaway and uh, Tanya Talks, which is another big show on prison. Everybody have a good evening and thank you. Good night.